because those people can do certain things that you're asking for them because they've already bought into that vision and you have shown them how they can fit into that vision. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome back to the Inspired Leadership Podcast. My name is Tyler Bailey. I'm here with Susan Power. And as always, this podcast wouldn't exist if it weren't for people like you. People like you that are interested in the evolution of the definition of inspired leadership and you know sharing this with somebody sharing this with a friend that might actually make their day has been the source of the growth of this podcast and thank you so much for that our guest today is darina paluki darina is an empathetic and data-driven leader with 10 years of global sales technology experience focused in building high-performing teams and responsible for driving growth and brand awareness as a nimble innovator with a passion for connecting complex business issues with scalable solutions, Darina develops and executes business strategies that produce measurable results. I'm so excited to have her here today. Let's do this. Let's get into it. So Darina, maybe to start, you are uh, presently the regional vice president of growth sales for Twilio based in Seattle. And I know you've spent your career um, working in the tech industry, at least for a good portion of your career. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and, and what led you to, to enter uh, technology sales? Absolutely. I like to think I have a unique story like we all do. So I'll share a little bit about it here with you. So originally I am from Albania, Eastern Europe. I was born there and I was raised in the beautiful island of Crete, Greece. And then I moved uh, in United States in 2000 in Chicago out of all places. First time I had seen snow was then. I thought it was the end of the world uh, coming from a tropical place. But, you know, I survived that. And 10 years being there, I uh, said, okay, well, what's another place with not so much good weather? And here I am mm. in Seattle. So from snow to rain. I like to think my third move will be again somewhere tropical, but I like to share a little bit about my uh, personal background and moving around because I think it has influenced the type of leader that I am uh, and how I see certain things in uh, just my interaction in leading different teams. You know, I left uh, Albania when it was a dictatorship country and we moved to Greece. We had to build our entire life uh, from scratch. And we didn't stop there. My parents had deep uh, dreams and aspirations for myself and my brother. And we picked up our lives again and did that all over in the United States. What did your parents want you to be? What did they, uh, they, did they want? The doctor, the lawyer? It was definitely, yeah, very, very much a traditional mindset for sure. Um, they saw that, okay, my math skills could only take me so far. So <laughs> it, anything, uh, in the STEM uh, type of, uh, curriculum was kind of out of reach, but I actually had a strong, uh, desire that I expressed from a young age and my parents supported to become a lawyer. But at the time I met who is now my husband and we were doing long distance for quite some time. And I moved to Seattle and, uh, just the, Immigration landscape was very different here and the diverse that I was used to working very different from Chicago. And I just had to pause and take a, another look if I wanted to pursue law school. Um, and at that time is how I met uh, several people at Amazon. This was around 2011. I was living in Seattle. Amazon was, you know, growing, picking up a lot of momentum. 
And uh, people said, you know, give it a try. You have transferable skills to enter. And I said, okay, I mean, let me take a look. So I went on the job website and uh, I said, I'm just going to give it a try. I can always, you know, go to law school later on. And I was doing some paralegal work kind of on the side while thinking of my next step here in Seattle. Um, and at the time I applied and I must have applied at what is now AWS, it was, you know, kind of the formative years back then. I did not know what cloud was, let alone AWS. So when I get a call from the recruiter, they're like, oh, uh, you applied for a program manager role. This is AWS division. We would like to have a deeper conversation with you. I frantically went to Google, typed what is AWS. I thought I had applied for a different company. Then it all connected together. And, you know, I am a true believer that timing uh, and kind of happy incidents are meant to be at times. And I mm -hmm. think that's how it all started for me. So I entered there uh, super entry level as a program manager. There were some transferable skills, but not obviously everything that I had done in my previous life in the nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. And I was there for about eight years where I built myself uh, kind of from the ground up, you know, various roles, various themes. And uh, obviously it was an environment with hyper growth mode, which allowed for a lot of career progression for myself as well. AWS, Amazon Warehouse Services? Web, Amazon Web Services. Web, web Services. Division, mm -hmm. Amazon Web Services, and, yes. And when you talk about world relief, I think that's a really interesting start to your career. Would you ever consider at some point in the future going back to world relief, even if it's just on a volunteer basis? I would love to. I have stayed as close to it as I could and as my time allows. They actually have different branches. There is one in Seattle. Uh, and just the, the mission is incredible. And having had the opportunity to intern there and get kind of my first professional experience after the internship, uh, I, I think was so formative to the person that I am and as a leader, seeing firsthand the hardships of people and how you can be a hand in supporting them navigate this new world and coming into the United States uh, was just incredible. I love that you reach out for these opportunities and you, you go after, even though you notice them, you notice them in your day to day. Like you're like, I, I think I could do that. And then you get a call back and you have no idea what it is, but you go Google it and you look for, Oh, this is it. You get like, I love that you do that. You put yourself out there and you kind of roll, you, you roll with life and you look for those opportunities and you go after them. That's fantastic. It kind of lives, leads us to my next question. I want to ask you, this podcast focuses on inspired leadership not just leadership, but inspired leadership. I want to know how you would define inspired leadership. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think we all aspire to work for people that are inspirational, right? And uh, want to have that those motivating individuals. And I think for me, just a positive influence and the ability to motivate others towards a successful outcome, helping them get to the next opportunity Understanding the audience and what is motivating to them, I think, has been super important in how I define inspirational leaders. Ultimately, someone you can look up, look up to, but obviously you have to earn that. And I, I realize it's not just, you know, coming into a room and automatically people are going to gravitate towards you being an inspirational leader. But the moment you can have that vision and you can distill it down to say a team because those people can do certain things that you're asking for them because they've already bought into that vision and you have shown them how they can fit into that vision you're sharing a vision with who you're leading and they can pick up that vision not only and feel a part of that not just like a puzzle like a puzzle piece that fits so perfectly in this massive massive vision and then yeah and inspire you to go towards that I've, yeah it's a, it's a 
it's a beautiful thing. Understanding your audience is a big, big factor. It's cool too. You're, you're the first person, Darina, to mention it doesn't involve necessarily involve having direct reports, which is a really interesting distinction because no one has mentioned that up until now. But I think it's an important one. Um, in your current role as regional VP of growth sales, I'm imagining that a lot of your focus day-to-day may be on revenue generation being in, in the sales tech uh, tech sales world. In your eyes, what do you think makes for a great sales leader? Uh, leaders who are passionate for the business, specifically, how do you take that passion and turn it into an action that, that the team can take forward? Uh, and, you know, at times we work in an environment, especially in tech, that it's ever changing and constant is the only change is the only constant. Right. So how do you um, take that into a positive and turn it into passion so people can feel at ease that things are going to be ever changing? But you also have something to grasp on, which is hopefully the passion and the excitement for the product, the people, uh, and finding what that may be. So for me, you know, from a leadership standpoint and having um, uh, teams, I try to gravitate towards the people. Uh, Mm -hmm. How can I create excitement uh, for the individual to want to be part of my team and part of the organization? I'm a true believer tapping into a person's superpower versus having them do something that they don't like to do or they don't have the skill set to do. Of course, you know, at times we do have Mm -hmm. to stretch ourselves and that's how we grow, but we all come with superpowers. And I found this early on that it's just easier to take people along the ride if you tap into their superpower versus the other way around. Mm -hmm. Um, So for, you know, in sales, obviously there's a goal, there's a target, there's a quota. Um, and I try to pick on the best practice and how people are doing certain things well and scale that out, create excitement, create recognition and show how we together can take the business forward. So what advice do you have for balancing empathy with strong sales leadership and revenue generation? So are they mutually exclusive? Can they be complementary? Uh, do you have any suggestions on how you balance the drive for results with respect to the needs of the employee or the needs of your customer? Empathy is something that can be misunderstood, especially in a leadership role. Uh, Just uh, super quick for me, when I started out in my career, uh, naturally I I am a a person that gravitates towards people. I want people to feel well, be well in a setting, right? And I found, you know, uh, sometimes I was uh, met with resistance on being an empathetic leader, that I was too soft, too nice. I couldn't, you know, get things over the line if I was going to act like that or lead in that way. But I think empathy is such a vital leadership competency. And in especially today's world, we cannot dismiss that. Uh, This is not just a soft skill that should be overlooked. Uh, Again, I think COVID taught us many things. One of them is that people are dealing with a lot of uh, things in today's world. The the lines of work uh, and home are more blended than ever. And uh, being empathetic, you know, uh, you, you need to understand what people are going through. You need to allow that communication to happen. You cannot, you know, go in a one-on-one and just have a rigid agenda with your direct reports about the business. 
even something as simple as how was your weekend, you know, can allow the person to create that connection with you. And you will get so much more out of them as an employee because they are able to build that rapport, right? I know we are sometimes in autopilot mode. It happens to me too. And we are just there to deliver that deliverable, meet the deadline, drive something forward. But um, just a simple check-in one-on-one can make such a difference. And I try really hard with my teams to not take myself so seriously in meetings, right? Yes, we're doing important things, but being open, being vulnerable and being authentic because we are all humans. We have things outside of work. And I tell my team all the time, when things get hard, think of why you are present here at work every day. What is the motivating factor for you? Hopefully it's not because you want to sell more X, Y, and Z product or whatever it is that, you know, I'm part of at that moment, but it's another factor that is allowing you to show up your best and motivating you. And, you know, I think being a strong sales leader and balancing empathy are definitely not mutually exclusive. These are complementary traits that should be, you know, used in the day-to-day, in every single interaction. And I think the best way to balance uh, the drive for results and driving the business forward is meeting these individual needs of people, right? Uh, Which is much harder to do uh, in a fast-paced environment, but I think being mindful to take a pause and definitely act on how you want to be treated and why you would want to work for somebody that uh, has that empathetic side to them. The word uh, reciprocity comes to mind that when you mentioned uh, expectations have shifted in this new post-COVID world that it can't all just be doing and delivering results for the employer. There has to be care on both sides. I, is what I take away from your response. And um, Dorina, you talked about the change, especially in technology industry and change can be stressful to a team. Some people are more agile than, than others, but can you give us any examples or thoughts around how your approach to leading with empathy has helped you manage teams during times of change, uncertainty, stress, uh, what, what comes to mind? Yeah, the biggest thing I always tell my teams, you know, Obviously, as I said, change is the only constant, but that doesn't actually make people feel good. That can give more anxiety that it's always going to be ambiguity and navigating (laughs) uncertainty. So then, you know, the other follow up that I say to my teams is control what you can control. And we cannot control everything. We cannot control when the next reorg is going to happen, when the next sea level strategy is going to come down. Uh, But I, I try to tell my team control on what you can control and let's be open. So I tell the team up front, these are the changes that I've, I, I'm hearing on. This is where I think we are going to pivot as a team and how we fit into X, Y, and Z uh, vision and strategy. And that I will be transparent with you in how much I can share, of course, some things more than others, uh, in where we stand, what is needed from you and what you can expect out of me. This um level set right away that I will be very open and direct. It, it's not always going to be what they want to hear, right? Um, it allows people to be put at ease, that I will not hold information. We are going to figure it out together in however much we can. Uh, and it has helped me really manage some very difficult situations because people know that if you don't say anything, you're hold, they feel like you're hold, withholding that information. Mm-hmm. And then if you are over-promising also, that can get you into hot water. So I try to, to kind of, you know, get ahead of it that we are going to navigate certain uncertain situations. And therefore, we're going to have to both come to the table with open communication. And this is what I'm going to bring to you. 
focus on communication and you, yeah, you, you tell people you can control what you can control. I like, I like that you deal with the facts and you move through, right? You say that we're going to have some uncertainty, but we're going to work through it. And communication is it's almost the best formula. Yeah. In the past, you, you worked for Amazon web services and Amazon's IT service, um, service management company. Uh, what was your experience like working for such a large, quickly expanding company? Yeah. So when I joined uh, Amazon Web Service at uh, AWS, it was around, you know, 2 billion annual run rate business. It's over, I think, the latest earnings shared like over 75 billion. So mm -hmm. just the growth, the, that division. So in the time that I was there, it was exponential. And I, I, I don't know that I'll ever experience in my life that type of growth professionally uh, because it was immense. But and because there were two sides of it, right? Like uh, so much growth provided so much career progression, visibility, working on big projects, really making impact. But then the other side is it is the very quick growth and, you know, some things just cannot grow as quickly as uh, the company may want to. So, you know, from a people standpoint, you're going to have to really, I had to really dive quickly and deep in how can I get so many people um, quickly up and running, you know, both effective in the work that they're doing and uh, career progression as the company is requesting so much from each person to progress forward, right? Did you ever uh, find that there was a project you really wanted to dive deeper into and that it was just so fast and moving forward and already finished and you're doing, okay, let's move on to the next one. You yeah, a, we would use the, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this, but like the plane, you're building the plane as it's flying. I mean, that was totally the mentality at all times there. And sometimes you just want to see the plane build and sometimes you want to have a seat in the plane and you just can't because <laughs> there's another plane that you need to go out and build, right? So you have to balance through that. Um, and it, you have to know how to let go, right? Like you kind of can provide your immediate impact and then there's another team scope that's going to take it to the next level and whatnot. Uh, but just being surrounded by so many amazing people, uh, it, it was incredible at AWS. Must have been exciting to be part of that level of growth. That's significant. Um, yes. And earlier on, Darina, you spoke about your time at World Relief nonprofit sector. Was there any difference in leadership style in, this might be a bias on my part, but I'm just imagining there could be a difference in leadership style in nonprofit compared to private sector. What what were your main lessons you took away from, from World Relief? Yeah, so the pace for sure, <laughs> the, things would just move much slower. We were dealing with government agencies, so definitely a much slower um, pace of just work conduct and uh, the level of uh, resource limitations was definitely a, a big factor in the nonprofit sector. Yes, at AWS, of course, even here within Twilio, you know, you are wearing multiple hats because the business is growing, but in the nonprofit world, you are wearing multiple hats at all times with no uh, end in sight that you're ever going to get additional resources to help you and you have to get scrappy. But that that those skills actually helped me very well at AWS because yes, we were able to get a little bit more resources, but the scrappy mentality was always constant there. It was, you know, a large startup and ever growing and you really had to know how to get things done with limited resources because the pace was so fast, you couldn't match the resources you needed at the, the right time, basically, that the project was being done. Sounds like being an entrepreneur. Hey, Tyler. Yeah, it sounds like just a <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you startup may business at all times. Oh my yeah. gosh. 
Yeah. I recently got into involved in a project of uh, working with a golf course and trying to start it up and it was taken as a big undertaking. And it, it felt just like starting up a business. It's just, you're wearing so many hats all over the place. So many different things need to be done and so many projects on the go. And I, I know I can feel what you're saying. It was just fast moving. You're like, I want to see that plane fly. And there's already another plane to be built, you know, uh, but wearing, I, I've never even, I've never thought about that as a nonprofit. I've never been able to dive into the nonprofit world. Um, but for, you know, for female leaders like yourself in business and especially in technology, uh, what advice would you give for other female leaders in business? What skills do you think they should focus on? Something that maybe they can start doing today. Two things I would, I would say, but the number one is believing in yourself. You have to believe in yourself so others can believe in you, right? I cannot stress this enough. Uh, imposters, imposter syndrome is real. We all have it. Uh, some more than others, or some may be more aware than others that have it, but we all have it, right? Uh, but it's recognizing that you have the skills and you can do something to push ahead in what, wherever it is that you want to go, right? You said initially how, you know, I, I had gone to AWS. I didn't even know what AWS was, but I took that initiative. And I think sometimes we as females overthink things before we act. So believing in yourself and it's okay not having all the criteria to take that step forward. It's not just, you know, applying the, that job that maybe you don't check all the boxes or raising your head for, hand for promotion. One of the things that I started doing uh, in my career, and this was at AWS, that I, I thought of doing it because, you know, the company was growing so fast. Sometimes you would have multiple managers even within a year is at the end of each quarter, I would write a quick summary of all the accomplishments I had done with that quarter outside of just the metrics that I was being gold on because, you know, those are kind of maintained with dashboards and whatnot. Uh, and I started building this kind of journal that I would have at all times to share my story uh, with leaders. And that actually helped me really build my brand. Uh, and I'm not saying every person, you know, journal everything that you're doing and share it out, but it kind of lets you reflect and it allows you to believe even more in yourself when you are start when you are seeing pen on paper that these are the things you've accomplished, right? It, that allows that internal dialogue to happen and it helped me both market myself, if you will, and believe even more so that I could do it because I actually have the credential and this is the work that can prove that I've done it, right? And um, the, the other piece to this, you know, especially for female leaders is when you need to believe in you and not hold back to share your achievements like in a systematic way with leadership is prioritization of things. We, we, we do a lot of stuff after I had my daughter I thought, okay, how will I ever survive in a place like Amazon and working <laughs> in such a fast-paced world? But actually, I became such a better leader because of that and such a better employee because I could really prioritize things so much more effectively because I only had a very specific amount of hours in the day to do things. And I didn't sweat the small details, right? Uh, and I, I could really be more effective in uh, completing tasks and I, I want to say I've become better because of this prioritization uh, and all in all, just believing in yourself and allowing, you know, um, to have a priority prioritization mindset. Amazing. Good suggestions for our listeners. Uh, achievement journal, because we can lose sight of, of those accomplishments if we, we don't jot them down. And uh, it's good to have that to tell our story. What's next for you, Darina, and where could our listeners go to learn more, more about you? 
Yeah, so uh, I am here within uh, Tulio and leading the growth new business team. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Would love um, to hear from any of the listeners on how my story maybe has resonated. Any questions, follow-ups, uh, and continuing the conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Susan and Tyler. Thank you, my friends, for your ongoing support of the Inspired Leadership Podcast. Leave us your comments in the feed. This marks the 40th episode of this cast. And on the topic of empathy, Darina shared some amazing insights today. It reminded me of Maya Angelou's famous quote, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Till next time.